I wonder what you made of Jesus' claim in verse 10. Just glance down there at the end. That the very reason that Jesus Christ came to earth was that people may have life and have it to the full. That is what Jesus is about. People having an abundant, joyful, overflowing life. I wonder if you are a Christian here, is that your experience of following Jesus Christ? And if you're not a Christian here, is that what you perceive Christianity to be about? Fullness, satisfaction. For most people, I don't think people think Christianity like this. Uh, Full of rules, full of rituals, full of restrictions, sure, but full of life. Most people think fullness of life comes from things like money, from fame, from success, from friendships, relationships. I don't know if you saw um, Justin Bieber pouring out his heart on Instagram uh, this past week. Um, I must confess I'm not one of the 118.6 million Instagram uh, followers of him, in case there's any believers here. I came across it in the BBC website, but he writes this. I went from a 13-year-old boy from a small town to being praised left and right by the world with millions saying how much they loved me and how great I was. I had a load of money, clothes, cars, accolades, achievements, awards, and I was still unfulfilled. By age 18, I had no real skills in the world with millions of dollars and access to whatever I wanted. By 20, I made every bad decision you could have thought of and went from one of the most loved and adored people in the world to the most judged, ridiculed, and hated person in the world. In other words, you know, you can have it all. Money, clothes, cars, accolades, and yet still feel deeply unsatisfied in life. And what most interested me about this particular post by Justin Bieber is that he credits his recent turnaround in his life to God, specifically the gift of marriage, the blessing of marriage to Haley Baldwin, a committed Christian herself, And Justin Bieber ends this post talking about Jesus Christ and how he loves everyone. The fullness of life he has found in Jesus Christ. Now, of course, that is just one person's on celebrities' experience. But Jesus Christ wants each and every one of us to have the fullness of that experience too. And in our passage, he shows us how. He gives us two key steps. We need to see what we are really like by nature, humanity by nature. And then we need to see what Jesus Christ is really like as well. So that's where we're going. Come with me to John chapter 10. First, what we are really like. Jesus says we are like sheep. If you glance down to verse 1, Jesus is continuing his debate with the Pharisees from chapter 9 that we saw last week. And now Jesus introduces the image of a sheepfold, a gate, a thief, a robber, In verse 2, a shepherd. In verse 3, a gatekeeper. In verse 4, the shepherd going on ahead of the sheep. The sheep following his voice. In verse 5, a stranger. And then look at verse 6. Jesus used this figure of speech, but the Pharisees did not understand what he was telling them. In other words, Jesus is using a figure of speech here with sheep and shepherds, etc., to help us understand what we're really like, what he is really like, and therefore what it truly means to have a relationship with him. And Jesus is saying, he's the shepherd, we're the sheep. Now, this concept of humanity being sheep is not new here from Jesus. 
Do you know there are over 400 references around that in the Bible to sheep, almost all of them references to humanity. Psalm 119, I have strayed like a lost sheep. Isaiah 53, we all like sheep have gone astray. Ezekiel 34, you are my sheep and I am your God, declares the sovereign Lord. So what does Jesus mean when he describes us as being like sheep? Two key parts to this, that we are dependent and that we are in danger. Dependent because, verse 3, the shepherd calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. Sheep are utterly dependent on the voice of the shepherd, right? So they don't go astray, so they don't get lost, so they know where the green pastures are and the streams of living water. Sheep need a shepherd. They are completely dependent on the shepherd and his voice to know which way to go. And Jesus says, actually, humanity, we are like sheep. We are utterly dependent on the voice of God so that we do not go astray, so we do not lose ourselves, so we do not make a mess of our lives. We need him to show us what is the right way to go, where the green pastures of an abundant life are. We need God as much as a sheep needs a shepherd. Now, that can be hard for us to hear because we tend to think of dependence as a weakness dependence for children is for children that you know as you grow up and you mature you find your independence and certainly there's a there's a truth to that right being more independent from parents being more independent from teachers but never to stop being dependent on god and actually in western culture over the past hundred years since the so-called age of reason there has been this huge shift away from any sort of dependence on God. Listen to these words from the Second Human Manifesto written in 1973. We have virtually conquered the planet, explored the moon, overcome the natural limits of travel and communication. We stand at the dawn of a new age, ready to move farther into space and perhaps inhabit other planets. Using technology wisely, we can control our environment, conquer poverty, markedly reduce disease, extend our lifespan, significantly modify our behavior, alter the course of human evolution and cultural development, unlock vast new powers, and provide humankind with unparalleled opportunity for achieving an abundant and meaningful life. Now, do you see in that the complete independence from God. We human beings can do it all. So what do we need God for? Except since this manifesto was written in 1973, we have witnessed the bloodiest century on record. Poverty, disease, and the inhumanity of humanity is very much all or still all around us. We have a political environment that is increasingly polarized across the world, an economic environment in this country where the current most recent generation will be the first generation in this country to be worse off than their parents, and the social environment in this city of London with unprecedented levels of knife crime, depression, 
and increasing apathy and cynicism about life. But this is where it leads. Where independence from God leads. Because we are all like sheep, dependent on the shepherd, dependent on his voice. And if we don't listen to him and go our own way, well, this is where we end up. Do you see how dependent you are on the voice of God? To know what life is about and where your life should be headed. Second thing that it means that Jesus means here about being a sheep is that we are in danger. Verse 1 speaks of a thief and a robber. Verse 10 speaks of a thief who comes only to steal and kill and destroy. And in verse 12, we hear about a wolf who attacks the flock and scatters it. In other words, sheep are in danger from powerful predators ready to tear them to pieces. And Jesus says we are in a similar type of danger, spiritual danger. Earlier on in this gospel, John chapter 3, Jesus talks about the darkness in every human heart. A darkness that means we don't like the light, don't come into the light, and don't turn to Jesus Christ. In chapter 8, Jesus speaks about the devil, who he describes as a murderer from the beginning, and wants nothing more than to keep people from turning to Jesus Christ and take them with him to hell. Now, if you're someone here looking into Christian things, talk of the devil might be one step too far for you at this stage. I'd be very happy to chat to you about him um, over afterwards. But wherever we're coming from, I'm sure you'd agree that there is plenty of evil in the world out there and there is plenty of darkness in each of our hearts. One of the most famous psychiatrists and psychoanalysts of the 20th century, Carl Jung, once said, all the old primitive sins are not dead but are crouching like a predator in the dark corners of our modern hearts. Still there, still as ghastly as ever. In other words, wherever we're coming from today, we're all aware of the darkness in here, what the Bible calls sin, that threatens to tear us apart. The temper that we cannot control, the addictions that we cannot break free from, the love of our money or career that keeps us from family. We are in danger from ourselves. And ultimately, sin tears us apart from God because God is all good, all just, and must punish sin. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each has turned to his or her own way. And if that is what we are done, we are vulnerable, we are exposed, we are in danger. Do we see the danger you and I are in by nature? Can I say you all look very presentable as you come to the talk this uh, lunchtime. I know you guys are successful, capable, intelligent people. And it's easy to make out that we've all got it sorted. I'm okay, you're okay, as the most famous self-help book of all time puts it. Jesus says, we are not okay. We are in danger. Grave spiritual danger. Sheep without a shepherd. Don't be fooled by the masks we put on, the way we try to hide our weaknesses, make out we've got everything sorted. 
we haven't. The fullness of life that Jesus Christ offers here is not for people who pretend to be strong. It is for those who are honest about their weakness and recognize the danger they're in. That they are like sheep, that they need a shepherd, that they don't have one. And the good news of this passage is that Jesus Christ is precisely that shepherd. Because we are like sheep, but secondly, Jesus is like a shepherd. That's the second thing to see from John chapter 10. He is a good shepherd who lays his life down for the sheep. Now, why does Jesus in this passage call himself a good shepherd, not just a shepherd? Simply because there are many bad shepherds around. If you were here last week, you'll remember that Jesus exposed the Pharisees and how they were spiritually blind, couldn't see who Jesus was. Despite everything Jesus has been doing in John chapters 1 through to 8, everything he's done, everything he's said, you think of his miracles, water into wine, you think of him healing the blind man, these are miracles only God could do. The statements Jesus made about himself, I'm the bread of life, I'm the light of the world. Before Abraham was, I am, God's name from Exodus. Things only God could say. The Pharisees fail to see it, they are blind to who Jesus is. They may be the religious leaders of the time, but they show themselves to be false shepherds of the people. And they reject Jesus, and they treat the flock with contempt like they treated the blind man last week. And in contrast to these false shepherds, Jesus shows himself to be the one true shepherd. In the second half of this passage, twice, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd, the good shepherd lays his life down for the sheep. So how do you know Jesus is the real deal? A good shepherd. One you can trust. One you can listen to. One you can follow. Because Jesus Christ is a shepherd who lays his life down for the sheep. He's prepared to die for his sheep. And give up everything for them. Now, how does that work exactly? How does dying for the sheep protect them? Back in verse 7, Jesus says something quite strange. Did you notice this? Jesus says, I am the gate for the sheep. Did you think that was a bit odd when you heard that read out? How can someone be a gate? Hasn't Jesus just said he's a shepherd? Well, how can you be a shepherd and a gate? Which one is it? Kenneth Bailey, New Testament scholar, he died a few years ago, aged 85. He grew up in Egypt. Um, he spent 40 years studying the cultural context of the Middle East and wrote a number of books to help Western readers like ourselves understand uh, phrases like this when Jesus says, I am the gate. And he says that there are two types of sheep pens in the Middle East, one in the town or village, one in the countryside. And the one in the countryside would, ha would be like this small four-walled enclosure, not too high, thorns on top, a doorway, in one of the walls where the sheep can go in and out, but no door. You might think, well, why is there no door? What's going to stop the sheep from going in and out or predators getting in? Guess where the shepherd slept? Across the doorway, as the door, as the gate. No sheep getting out except over his body. No predators getting in except over his body. And so do you see what Jesus is saying here when he says, I'm the gate, I'm the good shepherd who lays down my life for the sheep. He's saying, I will do whatever it takes to save you from sin, to protect you from the devil. I will stand in the way over my dead body. And that is precisely what Jesus Christ did on the cross. 
He stood in our place as our sin tore him to pieces. He is torn from the Father's love so we might be safe in his love. Jesus is the one killed so we might be safe. And ultimately, he is the one destroyed so we might live. We all like sheep have gone astray. Each has turned to his own way, but the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all, the sin of us all. If you want to know how much Jesus loves you, if you want to know how much Jesus Christ cares for you, look to the cross, see him dying for you. And the lengths that he is prepared, was prepared to go to for you. I know people don't like talk of sin or judgment or hell today. But it shows us the full depths of Jesus Christ's love. That he knows us in all our sin and weakness and darkness and yet still loves us loves us so much that he would bear God's judgment for our sin in our place that he would even taste hell for us so much is his love for you and let's be clear Jesus did this all willingly verse 18 Jesus says no one takes my life from me but I lay it down of my own accord in his book, Cross Examine, Mark Menel tells the story of a girl called Mary and her brother Johnny. Mary desperately needs a blood transfusion, and the doctor explains to Johnny that since he had recovered from the same disease earlier on in his life, they have the same blood type, and Mary's only chance for survival would come from a transfusion of Johnny's blood. And so the doctor asked Johnny whether he would be prepared to you know, give some of his blood. But the boy hesitates, and there is this like, quite a long pause as he considers you know, what this is going to mean for him. And the doctor can even see that the boy's lower lip is, you know, beginning to tremble. But then suddenly Johnny goes, you know, yes, of course, I will. And so the children are taken into the hospital room. Uh, Mary's pale and thin. Johnny's strong and uh, healthy. Uh, neither speaks, but when their eyes meet, Johnny grins. The nurse starts taking his blood, and towards the end of the ordeal, Johnny, now pretty nervous, turns to the doctor and says, when do I die? Only then does the doctor realize why there had been such hesitation in Johnny's mind. That when he asked him to give his blood, he thought that meant that was the end of his life, that he was going to die. And yet he was still prepared to go through it. True, deep, genuine love. Willing to die for someone else. And that is what Jesus Christ has done for you and for me. Do you see who Jesus Christ really is? He is your shepherd who has laid down his life for you. So where is fullness of life to be found? It is to be found in relationship with Jesus Christ. He loves you with an infinite love who promises to lead you through life, no matter what is thrown at you, and ultimately even to lead you through death. Jesus did not stay dead. 
He wouldn't be able to protect us then, would he? But in verse 18, he says, I, lay my li- I have authority to lay my life down, and I have authority to take it up again. In other words, Jesus is risen. He is alive. He is here with us by his spirit. And absolutely everything you and I need for life, for a peaceful, joyful, abundant life, can be found in him. So will you listen to him? Will you follow his voice in scripture? You really can trust him and depend on him for everything you and I need because we're like sheep and he is the shepherd, the one true shepherd that we have. Let me pray for us. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much indeed for this glorious chapter of the Bible where we see Jesus describe himself as a good shepherd who lays down his life for the sheep. Please would you give us humble hearts to hear what Jesus is saying about us, Um, that in our our humanity, but in our sinfulness, we go astray from you uh, in our sin, and that puts us in incredible danger. We do it because we don't realize how dependent we are on you. Help us to realize that dependence. That's a good thing. It's a freeing, liberating thing. And please, would we see Jesus Christ as the one who can bring us back into relationship with you. He's dealt with all sin, the consequence of it. He loves us that much. We can trust him with everything going on in our lives. Would we do that? Listen to his voice, depend on him, follow him. We ask it for Jesus' sake. Amen.